Hi everyone, welcome to Season 2 of the Asian Hustle Network Podcast, where we interview Asian entrepreneurs and professionals around the world. And for this season, we're going to take our conversations deeper about our Asian identity and hustle stories. We also want to announce that we are hosting our first ever Asian Hustle Network Uplifted Conference next spring in Las Vegas. For more info and to reserve your seats, check out our website at asianhustlenetwork.com. Don't forget to grab a copy of our recently released book, Uplifted, Journeys of Abundance, Community, and Identity, which tells the personal stories of how 21 Asian American entrepreneurs are shifting culture. You can order it on our website as well. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Matthew Liu. Matthew is the co-founder of Origin Protocol, a blockchain project founded in 2017. Origin's mission is to bring NFTs and DeFi to mainstream audiences. Matthew is a serial entrepreneur and has founded several companies previously. He served as co-founder of Price Lash and as co-founder and CEO of Unix Cycle Labs. Earlier in his career, Matthew was an early adopter and one of the earliest product managers at YouTube, leading multiple products on the consumer, partnership, and monetization teams. Later, he was VP of product at Quickie and VP of product at Bonobos. He has a MS and BS from Stanford University. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Really happy to be here and excited to chat with you. Yeah, Matt, we're super excited to have you here. I mean, your journey has been pretty crazy, right? Being one of the early employees at YouTube and working in your current company that is pretty much pioneering an absolutely new space. And before we kind of get to that story, you want to understand how did you become the person you are today? Where'd you grow up? What was your childhood like? How did your parents teach you that you know, it's okay to take risks and become an early adopter in so many different platforms? This is so game changing across different industries, right? What was that? What was your upbringing like? Um, yeah, so it's actually really funny that you uh, mentioned that because my parents think that I'm way too much of a risk taker and that uh, I've, um, you know, done a lot of big gambles with my career. Uh, but the ironic thing is that they're immigrants, right? So when they were young, they um, took the risk as well. So they immigrated to the U.S. for grad school, um, had no money to their name, were, you know, living in, you know, um, you know, I would say like pretty poor conditions um, and just, you know, hustling and scrapping uh, to be able to make it. And so they kind of um, climbed their way up um, as, you know, starving grad students um, that then got, you know, their earliest um, jobs in technology um, and still like they had to face a lot of hardship. Um, you know, not as strong in the English language, um, dealing with, you know, new workplace culture. Um, but eventually they, um, they, they made it right in the sense that, uh, they had stable careers, uh, and trajectories, um, and both of them had engineering backgrounds and if we're into technology. And so at an early age, I think that was a area of interest for me. 
Um, I grew up in New Jersey, um, spent the first 15 years of my life there. Um, you know, very education focused, um, to be honest, like when I grew up, I was like pretty shy and, you know, quite introverted, which is very different than, um, what I am today. Um, but, um, yeah, there's just a lot of focus on, um, working hard and also, um, trying to, you know, treat people well. Um, so I really, you know, um, say that I think like my parents and my, um, um, grandparents, um, helped, you know, shape, you know, who I was at an early age. Um, later on, I moved to California. Um, my dad got a job at a startup. Um, so you'll notice a trend of <laughs> um, a, a bit of a uh, risk taking there. Um, and I just stayed in the Bay area for, um, about two decades. So, um, finished out high school, um, in the Bay area, then went to Stanford after Stanford, um, knew I wanted to, um, do something entrepreneurial. And the best way to pick up those skills was to join a, a startup. Um, and at the time, um, a lot of my friends were getting into investment banking, uh, management consulting. I almost went down that path as well, but something just didn't feel quite right. And I knew that I wanted to do something a little bit off the beaten path. Um, today, right. Like, um, everyone talks about technology and startups, but, um, in 2005, it was, you know, not, um, the cool thing to do necessarily. Right. Um, but I saw this company called YouTube, uh, and I was like, this is really interesting. Um, and I think I want to work there. And so I just, uh, I, I knew I needed to network my way in because I had no experience and I wasn't, um, you know, the background someone at a, a high technology startup would look for, but I was able to get an introduction to the CEO. Um, and then I spent, um, you know, weeks just like harassing them, um, <laughs> to give me an interview, like literally trying to pound down the door, um, calling them, um, got in, did a first round of interviews. They thought I was a smart kid, but I had absolutely no experience. And that just kind of ignored me, but I just kept um, annoying them. Um, at some point they're like, okay, he's really passionate about what we're doing. Why? Let's talk to him again. Um, and, uh, I guess like hard work and persistence kind of pay off because eventually, um, I was able to convince them to uh, hire me as the big, basically the youngest employee at the time at YouTube. Um, and I still had no idea what I was doing. Um, it was really scary. Uh, initial experience I was like, Oh my God, am I going to get fired in the first two weeks? <laughs> um, because, uh, just everything they were talking about, everything they were working on was just like, a, um, beyond me. Right. But I think those are the best environments when you are not, um, you know, well-equipped or well-prepared, um, you know, that that's trial by fire. Right. And so you learn very, very quickly. Um, and thankfully I was able to pick everything up and develop a very strong working uh, relationship with, um, other early YouTubers, um, several of which are now working with me at origin. Um, and from there it was just, um, kind of this organic journey, right. Trying to figure out, um, what's the next step, you know, what is my path to entrepreneurship? There were a couple, um, starts and stops. Um, so it was far from a, you know, uh, glamorous experience, right. Especially in the uh, early days. So after YouTube, I tried to start, um, a company initially, but, um, didn't really quite get off the ground, switched co-founders a couple of times, then worked, worked for a couple other startups, um, learned some new skills, uh, and then really decided to go after it again in 2013. So that was, um, yeah, it was, it was almost like nine years ago. Um, um, so very, uh, early 2013, um, decided to, um, make the jump, um, and just started grinding it out. Um, um, and first like three and a half years, didn't take a paycheck. It was just, um, hustling, trying to, uh, build products and find customers, trying to find, you know, scalable business models. And it was just like 
failure, 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 failure. Uh, my parents were like, what are you doing? My friends were like, what are you doing? And I was like, what am I doing? But um, something in me just didn't let me quit. And so I just kept going and going and going. Um, and then everything just magically changed in 2016. Um, I think a couple of things happened um, throughout the you know three and a half years of not paying myself. I, I was forced to acquire new skills, right? Um, like previously, I was just you know more of like a manager type. But throughout that process, I learned how to code. I learned how to design. I learned how to sell. I learned how to um, do growth hacks and marketing. Um, and I actually, you know, I think became much more well-rounded as an entrepreneur. Um, and the second thing that happened was um, I started working with my now co-founder at Origin, Josh, um, and you know he and I just had a very very complimentary relationship. Um, just like we're able to work together extremely effectively, um, you know, more effectively than my previous co-founders in other businesses. Um, and I was literally like this close from you know hanging the gloves up and saying, Hey, I'm not going to make it as an entrepreneur, started preparing my resume, looking at companies I was going to uh, apply to um, when we started working together. And I was like, all right, I'll give it like a month or a quarter or something. Right. And that, uh, that was like, you know, 1% battery life in terms of energy, but, um, that was enough to get the recharge. So within that quarter, we were able to um, spin up our first business and very quickly it started generating um, seven figures of revenue. And I was like, okay, there's something here, right? Like there's enough uh, reason to persist and go and like um, we're onto something. Um, and, you know, a few months later we had another, you know, crazy idea. We're like, oh, let's try starting that business as well. Right. Um, and we very quickly spun that up um, and realized we didn't want to run that business, but that, um, you know, that we had built something valuable pretty quickly. So we ended up selling the tech assets um, to a competitor. Um, so like very quickly, we had built, you know, two businesses that had, you know, some uh, measure of success and rather quickly. And so then we're like, okay, well, we know we can work together. Um, now let's go after something bigger. Um, and um, I was very fortunate to have invested a little bit of money into cryptocurrency um, early on. Um, same with Josh. Um, and in 2016, it was just starting to pick up. It wasn't really obvious that this was going to be a huge, huge um, trend yet. Um, but um, because we had invested some money in you know 2012, 2014, um, now it was like, okay, we we're, we're onto something or, um, there's something here, right? Like why are our investments now worth, you know, substantially more money and why is there so much more developer activity uh, and community around uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency? And so we started to really dive in. Um, and at first it was just like, Hey, like everyone's speculating, let's speculate too. So let's, um, let's trade all these cryptocurrencies. And we built our own, um, you know, private trading platform, so to speak, right? So we had some bots um, that would do algorithm trading. Uh, we built our own portfolio management software. Um, we, um, you know, did a lot of stuff just to figure out how to um, generate cash flow from crypto. Um, but the interesting thing about it is like many times, um, you know, speculation, right, um, gets people to think deeper, right? When you have skin in the game, you start um, investing and learning. And so then we started to really try to understand decentralized technologies and what they could do. Um, and that was when we decided um, the technology um, would be so disruptive um, um, that it would change many, many different industries. And it would be um, almost like a, um, a huge mistake on our part if we didn't really grasp it by the horns, right? This is a once in a generation opportunity. We needed to go all in. Um, and so we made the decision that we wanted to build a blockchain startup 
um, figured out how to divest your other businesses that were still running, um, but was like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get into this. Right. And so we picked the biggest, hairiest, um, most audacious idea that we could come up with in blockchain. And, uh, that was kind of the beginning of origin. Um, now we had this crazy vision, um, but you know, we didn't necessarily, um, now this is kind of like a, a microcosm of the larger journey, which is like, um, you have to, continuing to grind, right? You have to try new ideas. You have to pivot. It's not easy. Um, some of our initial products, um, fell flat on their faces. Um, you know, then cryptocurrency, uh, markets, like they went to the bear market and people were, you know, very bearish on technology and, um, the community, but we had to persist through that. Right. Um, and it wasn't until, um, 2020, um, um, last year that, um, the activity really started picking back up again. Um, so we had to weather that storm. Uh, but since then we've built, uh, two, um, I would say flagship products, um, that are both, uh, doing well. Um, one of them is, uh, squarely in the NFT space, non-fungible tokens. And the other one is in the DeFi space, decentralized finance. Um, but yeah, we're just continuing to grind. And I think it's going to be, you know, another, uh, decade at least of, um, just working, um, really, really hard, um, all the time, but trying to choose something really, really ambitious and impactful. Wow. That is, that is one heck of a story, you know, and there's so much to break down and digest from there. I mean, shout out to be, to being that hustler as, as a kid and really getting the opportunity at YouTube. I think that speaks volume to our younger listeners that, Hey, if you want something, go for it and go for it really hard. Right. But when you have the opportunity, you have to be able to, to seize it really well and prove yourself because, you know, this, this can be game changing, it can be life changing. And I see Steve talk about you on your website about how great you are. And you're not, he's not the only person that said that, right? My network has also told me that you're someone that is able to do very accomplished things in life. So shout out to you. Um, thank you. Thank you. And then regarding the, the NFT space, right? It's, um, it's relatively new and I really like your, your big audacious goal, like decentralizing the marketplace. Right. And for a lot of people, this sounds like a foreign word. Like, what does that even mean? But I think that the, the way the world is trending, it's going to be decentralized within our lifetime and it won't like everything else in life. People do not like change. And it takes a while for us to sort of adopt this mindset. Right. Um, there's two parts I want to digest for our listeners when they hear NFTs. It's such a hot word nowadays, but what does yeah. that even mean? And decentralized, what does that even mean? Right. So can you explain to your listeners, what is it, what does decentralization mean to you? And what are you trying, how are we decentralizing? That's the bigger thing. What's the NFT? Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk about what a um, decentralized internet would look like in comparison to today's internet. Right. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not one of these, um, crazy uh, philosophical idealist that's like, oh, like, you know, I hate Google or I hate Facebook because um, they're these giant centralized uh, authorities. Um, I think they have many flaws, right? There's like um, data issues, there's privacy issues, there's uh, monopolistic um, behavior, right? And so I think there's um, huge, huge amounts of improvements in the new internet that we can build um, versus allowing these um, companies to basically accrue all the value. Um, but I do want to give a nod to, you know, you know, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and, you know, um, Airbnb, like these web 2.0 companies that have completely, you know, um, you know, disrupted the world, right. In their own right. Right. Allowing people to connect with each other, um, allowing people to, um, you know, 
um, book a car, right. Um, with the tap of a button, right. Every person has like, you know, an iPhone and Android phone, pretty much it's become so important in uh, our social fabric as well as, you know, global and local economies. So, um, great accomplishments in the past with the, you know, centralized internet. Um, so why can a decentralized internet um, be more advantageous um, and better, right? So there's um, a couple, you know, key um, um, points here, but essentially a decentralized internet um, gives power back to the people, right? Um, the idea is that um, rather than just having a few, you know, these very powerful, like, almost like corporation states, right? Um, it's the alignment of all different types of ecosystem participants um, that um, build this new internet together, right? Um, and um, the alignment of, in um, of interest is largely through crypto economic incentives, right? So um, when you have uh, incentives built into these um, protocols from the very beginning, um, then it's very easy to rally people uh, and have them um, collaborate and work together, right? Um, and so one example of this is uh, Ethereum and having, you know, the decentralized uh, world computer is what they called it in the early days. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what they um, call it now, but the idea is you have all these different Ethereum nodes running. Um, they're all able to um, kind of agree on what um, data is being processed, what transactions are being sent, um, what logic is being run by different um, applications that are living on chain. Um, and so it's able to basically create a new um, operating system for the internet. Um, but it's um, infinitely more resilient, right? Because um, all the nodes are running across the world and they're being run by different people, um, which means it's censorship resistant. It means that um, it's not going to go down, right? Like it's going to be way, way harder for someone to um, try to hack Ethereum than uh, even for someone to try to hack, let's say like Twitter, right? Which has been hacked uh, many times, right? Um, <clears throat> the other thing that's uh, really interesting about this decentralized internet um, is that in many respects, it's permissionless, right? People can participate um, without um, having to um, you know, give up a bunch of their data, um, at least not the same extent of data that they had to previously. Um, and because um, these smart contracts are running programs uh, on the blockchain, people can interact uh, with a lot of these programs, um, again, without um, the permission of um, gatekeepers and, uh, and centralized uh, authorities. Um, so, for example, decentralized finance is super, super interesting. Uh, people can make um, um, loans, people can borrow again without needing to go through a bank. Right. Um, and so when you have this like decentralized internet and there's like a lot loaded up in there, right. Um, it creates just a brand new paradigm um, to build technology off of. Um, and I think it's going to be especially empowering for uh, emerging markets, right? So third world countries, um, that can kind of leapfrog existing, uh, systems. It's going to be very, very beneficial, um, because of the crypto economic, um, incentives and the cryptocurrency payment. Payments uh, for countries that currently have, um, you know, hyperinflation, right? That have um, corrupt governments, um, that have, um, you know, infrastructure problems, right? Um, and so, as this whole decentralized internet um, evolves, I think there's just going to be so much um, benefit across so many verticals and geographies and use cases. Um, Anyways, that's a very long-winded uh, version of saying that um, there's a lot of value 
um, that could come um, through through having this decentralized internet. Um, but it is still early days. Um, we still have to figure out what products are going to work. Um, we still have to learn from the internet of the past. Um, I don't think we can throw everything out, right? Um, but when we have to learn how to bridge the gaps um, between today's you know very mainstream user experiences in Web two and figure out how to um, smoothing the user experiences as people go into uh, web three, right? Um, so um, we're still in the early days, uh, believe it or not. Uh, I think everyone that is even remotely interested in this concept should read about it, should you know play with decentralized applications, should buy some cryptocurrencies, get some skin in the game. Um, that just forces you to learn more. Um, and I think um, this is still so early that there's just so much opportunity. Um, especially for young people that want to do something off the beaten path that don't want to work in a normal corporation or that want to make it for themselves. Like this is your opportunity, right? This is a once in a generation opportunity. Um, it's like, um, you know, there's the first wave of the internet created companies like, um, Amazon, right. You know, now Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are always lying to be the uh, wealthiest person in the world. Well, this next wave is, just underway. And, you know, I think, um, the number of, you know, very, um, wealthy and successful, but also impactful, um, people in this industry is going to, um, even outnumber the one in the previous internet. Um, anyway, sorry, that was very long winded. Um, I'll keep it shorter for NFTs. NFTs are non-fungible tokens. Um, think of NFTs as like a way of, um, ensuring, and proving um, digital ownership as well as scarcity, as well as um, provenance, which is like who has owned um, this NFT over what period of time. Um, but essentially, like it's um, really, really interesting technology. Um, a lot of people see NFTs as just um, you know digital art right now, right? It's like um, something on blockchain, and you know um, it has value because it's scarce. Um, so I think that's one part of it. Um, but to me, NFTs are a more fundamental technology. It's almost like HTML in the early days of the internet. People thought of HTML as like, oh, cool, it's like some random standard that allows people to put up static web pages. That's kind of cool. Who really cares? Who's going to use the internet? Uh, well, because HTML came first, um, and the rest of the internet, you know, blossomed out of that, right? Um, then you had more beautiful web pages with CSS, right? Then you had um, interactive uh, web pages with like um, JavaScript. And through all that, you had um, industries like e-commerce um, be created. You had uh, industries like social networking um, get created. You had um, things like uh, uh, um, like blogging and like, you know, the marketization of content expression. Right. Um, and that all kind of spurred out of that. Um, so to me, NFTs is just like a, a, a new fundamental technology that allows people, um, to create, um, again, provably, um, scarce, um, um, prove ownership, prove provenance, um, of certain digital assets, but, the idea space is so much broader than just um, what we're seeing today. Uh, and I think NFTs are going to disrupt a whole, whole slew of industries, um, whether it's disrupting something like uh, a StockX, right? That deals with um, uh, limited edition goods or potentially a Patreon uh, um, where um, people are trying to uh, engage as super fans um, or, you know, um, ticketing for sports and events and things like that. Like NFTs have a place in potentially disrupting all these different verticals. That That is amazing. And 
as you're talking about like NFTs and decentralization, that really got me fired up, you know, because I, I do agree with you. I agree a lot with everything you said. It's, I think that, you know, all these, it's going to have a huge impact in countries with corrupt governments and, you know, he helping the world countries kind of leapfrog everything. That's the kind of vision I see for decentralization too. That's why when, so for our listeners, take, uh, for me to get introduced to Matt is through our friend, William. And I was so interested in decentralization that he was like, Hey, I'm working with Matt at origin. I'm like, Oh wait, I had to meet Matt at origin because this is so cool that you're working on this stuff. Right. And everything you do, it's like very relatable to how I view the world. It's going to be, and you're right. We're very, very early. Uh, we're, we're not even at, at the crack of like having a mainstream adoption into NFTs yet, because a lot of people yeah. don't, still don't understand what it is and how it works, right? And I'm really appreciated that you're able to share your story. But I want to take a bigger step back to your first answer uh, when you're you were saying how you know as you're building your company, you're taking, um, you're learning a lot about creating new skills and almost quitting many many times. I think that's so relatable to a lot of us. But unfortunately, for a lot of us, we sort of just quit, right? We just stop because we're just like this is way too hard. Yeah. And the crazy thing about entrepreneurship is that no matter your highs and your lows, you're going to take every single experience and apply it to your next venture. Right. So always think of it that way. You may not be earning now, but you will eventually earn if you continue to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I almost see it as like a lot of people um, when they start their careers, they anticipate uh, almost like linear growth. Right. And, And that's what, um, society has largely conditioned us for, at least for, um, many other industries, right? Like corporate America or, you know, finance. And, you know, at some point it gets like, you know, more exponential as you get more senior, right. Um, in terms of financial rewards or, um, the people you, uh, impact or the number of people working underneath you or whatever it might be. Right. Um, for entrepreneurship, it's not like that, right? Like, um, it could be like zigzag could be down, it could go up. It's like all over the place. Um, and oftentimes you have to really, really, um, grind it out. Um, there's all these like stories of like overnight successes, um, and, uh, these like fabled entrepreneurs. But a lot of times when you look at their backgrounds, like they had huge, huge failures for a number of years. Right. Um, like I think, you know, people, um, you know, said this about like, uh, Ben Silverman at Pinterest, right? Like, Oh, Pinterest is like, blew up. Right. But, you know, he spent a couple of years working on products that didn't work. Right. Um, not everyone can be a Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, just get lucky on the first shot as a um, college dropout. Um, more often than not, it's, Hey, there are a lot of like dark times, um, before there's some success. Right. Uh, like my co-founder, Josh, you know, um, he had three venture back companies, um, before we started working together. Right. Um, and you know, some success, he had one, you know, small success, but you know, two companies that completely failed. Um, but you know, he was an entrepreneur for, um, over a decade, right. Um, before we started working on origin, uh, and that started actually, you know, taking off. Right. And so, um, I think moral of the story is, um, sometimes you just got to keep grinding, right? You got to keep working. You got to understand that, um, you could success can just be right around the corner. And if you give up right there, like that is just like the worst thing to do. Right. It's like, um, struggling through a marathon and like, you know, you're hurting and like, maybe you're injured. Um, but, um, you know, you're, you're on mile 25 and you don't realize that like, you know, you just got like a little bit more than a mile before um, you get to the finish line. 
Um, and, and I say that a little bit facetiously because like, once you get to the finish line, you realize like you have to run another marathon, but at least like you've gotten some milestone where like, okay, there's like some success and you can recharge and energize. Right. Um, and, um, success begets success, growth begets growth. And so, um, as you're grinding it out, sometimes, um, it gets really, really dark, but just make it to the next, um, milestone, right. Make it to the next like goalpost. Um, and, and something will be there waiting for you. Right. There'll be, um, you know, maybe a round of funding or there's like, Oh, Hey, there's, um, new people on the team that are really fired up that can, um, make my job easier, or there's, I just landed a crazy partnership or closed a customer. Right. And that re-energizes you and keeps you going. Right. Um, so I think it's really important to just like, okay, how do I get to the next milestone? How do I like improve every single day? How do I move forward? Um, don't always just think about like, you know, the end goal, um, because then it can be super, super intimidating. Like, yes, you should have that in your mind. Like, Hey, I want to build this and it might take me five years or 10 years, but like, um, don't only obsess about that. Also think like today, what can I do better? Right. What can I learn? How can I be a better salesperson or how do I hire better? Or like, you know, maybe like, I don't know how to code yet, but like, guess what you can learn. It's, it's hard, but it's not impossible. There's, you know, so many people that, um, learn. And I've, I've heard that excuse so many times. Oh, like I would start a company, but I can't do Y skill or, you know, Z skill. I'm like, okay, so, um, maybe you should go learn it. Right. Absolutely. I, I love, you know, I just wanted to say, first of all, like, thank you for explaining. So, you know, comprehensively what NFTs and, and decentralized means, because honestly, for myself personally, I'm still learning about what all of this means. Right. And I think there's just so much complexity that goes into it too. And it's just really refreshing to hear you explain to our audience what exactly it means. And I definitely agree with you, you know, like this is my first time doing entrepreneurship full-time working on AHN and, you know, Brian, both myself and Brian are learning as well. And there definitely have been very dark times, you know, just like grinding it out and knowing that you don't have a security blanket to fall onto and not paying ourselves. And so on that topic, you know, you went from being a product manager to a leader, and I'm sure you picked up on a lot of great skills working at YouTube, but how did you kind of go about that transition becoming a leader from a product manager? Yeah. How, how did you, how were you able to give up control and delegate it out? Because your team is really big, you know, right now it's like, I think this is the hardest part for most product managers, right? Cause you're always in everyone's everyone's ass. <laughs> like, get it done. Get it done. This is the vision. But now you're CEO, you can't manage everything. You can't be everywhere. How do you, how do you mentally give up control and become a leader that you are today? Yeah. Um, that's a great question, right? So, um, first off, it's not easy to become a leader overnight. Um, like just like we were just saying about learning new skills and failing and like product pivots, like same thing, right. With, leadership, you're going to make a lot of mistakes with hiring, with managing, with firing, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, no one, I mean, sorry. Um, it's hard to be like, okay, like, let me learn the, the CEO or founder job. Right. Um, if you've done it a couple of times, then, you know, it's a little bit easier to say, okay, I've been here. I might not deal with it, but really like when you're a founder of a company, um, every like couple of weeks, there's going to be some sort of like random new thing where you're like, I haven't dealt with this before. What do I do? Um, and you can either freak out or you can 
um, wing it, but like <laughs> do, do it to the best of your ability. Right. Um, so I don't think that ever changes. Right. I don't think it changes, uh, if you're, you know, the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, right. You know, he's recently facing regulatory scrutiny from the sec that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Right. I'm sure it's the first time he's had to deal with that. Right. Um, you know, uh, Brian Chesky at Airbnb had to deal with a lot of crazy stuff. Like even when Airbnb was like, you know, a unicorn, like, Oh crap. Like, you know, people are having horrible experiences or there's crimes in Airbnbs or like, you know, someone died in Airbnb, like, what do you do? Right. Um, there's always going to be first, um, like new experiences that are just like almost like catastrophic to think about. Uh, but then you just have to get through them. Right. You just have to deal with them and get through them. Um, so more specifically in terms of like, how do you become like a better leader? How do you, um, manage and delegate? Um, I think the, um, the key to letting go, I think is like, hiring people that you trust, right. That, um, can do the job better than you. And then when you trust them, it's easier to let go. If you hire B players, right. That are not as good as you. Um, and you're constantly micromanaging them or telling them what to do. Um, that's when it's going to be really hard to lead because you're just spending all your time, like correcting people's mistakes, not letting them uh, feel empowered, not letting their ideas shine through, not letting them lead. Um, and so I think the best part of managing really starts at hiring. Um, if you can hire people that are really, really good at what they do, um, where you can trust them for some aspect of the business, um, and you can get out of their way, um, and let them make critical decisions. Um, um, they're going to have, uh, the ability to focus on specific problems more than you are as um, founder, where you have to have a strategic uh, focus and you have to understand all the different parts of the business, whether it's like finance or accounting or you know, technology or design or marketing or PR. Right. So um, hire the really best people that you can, right. Keep that bar really, really high. Um, I know it's cliche, but it's so important. I feel so blessed uh, to have the team that we have because they build me out of so many things, right. Where uh, I'm unsure what to do, but like, sometimes like, Hey, like, what do you think we should do? Um, and if you trust them enough, then you can actually, um, listen to them and, you know, they're not always going to be right either. Um, but, um, it's, it's good to have people that, um, um, can push you and can also voice strong opinions, right. Ultimately, you know, the buck stock stops with you, um, and you'll have to make, you know, a lot of the most important decisions, but that input's like super, super valuable. Right. Um, and I think in, um, entrepreneurship and just like in America in general, like we glorify the founders or like the president, um, or, you know, the, the, the global leaders, but what we don't really realize is like all these things are team sports, right. Um, like, um, Barack Obama or Joe Biden, right. Like they have teams around them, you know, Trump had teams around him. We'll not get into that. <laughs> um, but you know, um, same thing with like Steve jobs, right. He was seen as this like amazing icon and he is right. But you know, he had a huge supporting cast that, um, helped shape his ideas and products. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, as founders, as people starting businesses, it's really, really important to realize that, um, yeah, you might get the most attention. Um, you might be invited to do the podcast um, and you have ultimate responsibility, but you should not look at it as an individual sport where, you know, you are um, the leader, right? And people are um, working underneath you or for you to uh, achieve your vision. That is like the wrong way to lead, right? Um, instead, you should think of it as like, hey, what is our collective vision, right? Um, 
how do I um, find people that um, will share the vision or um, refine the vision? Um, how do I find people that um, will make this a better company and a better business because they're uh, highly intelligent or they work extremely hard or they have contrarian opinions um, or they're really, really good at getting, you know, um, people to align themselves or they're really good at um, whatever superpower, selling, marketing, et cetera, right? Um, and how do we make it a collective vision and a collective company uh, where people feel empowered, where they feel like they're part of a family, where they have real relationships, um, they can really grow and we can build something amazing together, right? Um, and so I think having that mindset, um, at least to me, is like very, very important. Um, like the people that work with us at Origin, like I consider them, you know, like partners in the business, right. Owners in the business, um, and not just, um, employees, right. Like that's, um, that's not the right way to think about it in my mind. Um, now, of course, there's going to be like different roles. There's going to be like, you know, different seniority, there's going to be different compensation. Um, but, um, thinking of it as, you know, a team sport, as opposed to individual sport, I think is hugely, hugely valuable. Well, that is, that is an amazing answer. And I can tell by the way that you're giving your answers that you, you are someone that has definitely been through everything, <laughs> you know, not everything, but a lot, <laughs> I've been through a lot, you know, that the answer comes with great experience and we can see that and we can feel that with your answers. And we have a lot of people on the, you're, you're going to be like over like a hundred episodes on our podcast. Right. So we can definitely feel that. Um, I mean, regarding on your hero's arc, I mean, I love it. There was a struggle. There's a, a light to end the tunnel, grit, grind, push it out, hustle it out. But let's talk about the fun things, right? I think that I've been following you on Instagram for a while now. And I'm like, man, Matthew <laughs> stays at the best hotels, best houses. And a lot of people don't see behind the scenes and your story too about your struggle that you almost quit so many times, right? And knowing that you have powerful people on your board like paris hilton is one one example what is what is that like you know seeing the the, the light sort of but we all know like success yeah. is never guaranteed it's always constantly rented right yeah being that light what was that what is that like being where you are now and looking back and reflecting and building on top of that and not letting that get to you and keep keep, keep on that grind and keeping the hustle what is it like um well well first off i'll say like this right um, you see the light at the end of the tunnel and you get there, right? And then you realize the tunnel keeps going. <laughs> but um, hopefully with each, like, again, successive milestone, um, things get a little bit easier. Um, you know, your ability to move through the tunnel becomes a little bit um, faster. Maybe there's more like, you know, light in between, right? But um, I, I don't think it really, really ends until like you stop running um, the business, right? And um, that's not something that I've really experienced yet. And hopefully I won't experience for a very, very long time. Um, so first caveat is like, um, again, go after those goalposts, but you know, you're more likely than not still going to be going after like this, um, huge vision and, and it doesn't end. Right. And so I still work extremely hard now. Right. Um, yes. Um, there are certain like public perceptions of like, Oh, like, yes, there are certain um, people that I know now, right. Because we're doing NFTs and we're working in the creator economy, which means we're working with influencers and celebrities and brands. Um, and a lot of people that, um, you know, have, have like audiences, um, and have, um, you know, social sway or, um, just like, you know, a lot of, uh, um, yeah, a lot of social clout. Right. 
Um, so it is fun working um, with these people. Um, it, it's cool, like, you know, meeting um, EDM DJs that I've listened to and then realizing that like, hey, they, they want to have a conversation with me, right? Um, or understanding uh, more of what it's like for um, uh, a brand or an athlete to think about you know, how to manage their business, right? Because <laughs> again, like similar story, right? You, you look at these people and you're like, oh, like they're, they're famous and uh, I want their life. But you don't really know that they're working their asses off, right? They're hustling too. Um, they've had to go through their hero's journey. And, you know, a lot of them went through a lot of failure, right? I was talking to um, Kashmir, who's a DJ, and he was like, you know, sleeping on you know his friend's couch, right? Before he made it, right? Um, you know, a lot of like, you know, professional athletes, you know, didn't have anything before they made it, right? Um, so I think um, people only see, again, that um, overnight success or like, you know, um, what's happened at the end, but it's very important to remind that um, these people are also grinding and they're still grinding today. To stay at the top, you have to work really, really hard. Um, the work really doesn't stop again until you retire, right? And even then, you know, these people are so motivated that they'll do something else. Um, so I think it's been really fun um, interacting with some of these individuals. Um, <clears throat> a lot of them are way smarter, um, a, lit, a lot more business savvy um, than you would think that they are, right? Um, based on their external uh, personas. Um, but again, I think that's that's the beauty of it, right? Um, the people that make it in this world um, are a combination of talented, um, lucky, um, but also almost always um, hardworking, right? Um, at least the people that make it for themselves, right? Um, and so that is something that has just been a common thread as I've been interacting um, um, with these, you know, people that, you know, previously were not um, in my like, you know, social circles. Um, and it's actually kind of inspiring, right? Like, uh, it makes me realize that like, you know, um, this is kind of just like the, the blueprint. Um, and so I should continue to work hard. Um, I shouldn't be complacent. Um, you should never really think it's done, right? Otherwise, um, you're going you're gonna to fall off um, whatever it is that uh, you're standing on. Um, but there are some cool perks, right? It's been cool going to, you know, certain events, um, learning the, um, you know, kind of scratching the surface of what it's like uh, for someone to be in entertainment or in sports or in music. Um, and so, yeah, it's cool to have these connections. Um, I look forward to working with more creators in the future, um, understanding the world uh, on an even deeper level. Um, yeah, it is, it is fun. No denying that. I love that. I love that. And I mean, I'm always looking at your story and your team stories. I'm like, man, this looks so cool. And I know there's a ton of hard work that goes behind that and everyone has their own journey. And I, I do appreciate that knowing after knowing more of your backstory. Yeah. Um, so well, I'll question. tell you this, it, it's, it's no fun, um, uh, posting like an Instagram story at like 2am of your, you know, monitor while you're working. Right. So, um, <laughs> the stuff that makes it to, um, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter is usually like a little bit more fun. <laughs> of course. I mean, maybe you should some, some hardworking stuff. We need to know the real picture, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask this question for real, because I know earlier, as you mentioned, you, um, when you're saying when you were growing up, you're quiet, you're a little bit shy. And now look at you, you're networking with A-list celebrities. You have a lot of powerful people surrounded uh, in, in your daily life. How did you, have you ever faced imposter syndrome at one point where you kind of just looked yourself in the mirror and be like, wow, like what is, what is going on? Like, this is not how I used to be. How did I become this person over time? 
right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, um, it's not, have you ever, it's like, how often do you face it? Right. Um, it's still something that I, I struggle with. And I think a lot of people struggle with, um, because, um, well, I, I could talk about this for days. Um, so number one, like, um, whenever people see like startups, right. Um, um, or they see Instagrams of, you know, celebrities like Paris Hilton or whatever. Right. Like that's like a fairly like curated public perception. Right. Um, you see like the good points um, because, you know, if you're a CEO, you're selling why your company um, um, is meaningful. Right. You're trying to sell your products. Um, you're trying to sell to prospective employees. Right. And, you know, if you're um you know, an influencer, like you're, you're also pitching a certain, um, lifestyle or expertise or, um, some unique intricacies about your life to your audience. Um, that's only part of the picture, right? Um, again, people struggle, right? Um, inside companies, there's a lot of dysfunction, right? Even the companies that you think are like absolutely amazing. Like when I was working at YouTube and Google, like, you know, Google is absolutely crushing it. You know, stock price was flying, but I could see like, you know, internal politics, right? I could see that um, there were certain um, dysfunctions or certain products or like, oh my God, like there was this like um, huge bug that created all these problems, but like, you know, people don't see that stuff, right? Um, and so like every day, I think like, um, you think a little bit about like, wow, how blessed you are that things are going well, but also like, oh my God, there's all these things that I need to stitch up because, um, that are risk the company. Right. Um, or, you know, personnel are their personnel issues or whatever it is, right. There's always something wrong, right. When you're starting a business and running a business. Um, and so there's always a, a gap between that public perception of how you're doing and how you feel you're doing internally. Um, so that's number one. Um, number two, I think like more personally, um, yeah, like the entrepreneurial journey, um, as well as life in general means that people change, they evolve, they grow, um, hopefully, um, they grow to become better people that when they started, um, I grew up super shy. Um, I was bullied, um, didn't really know how to talk to people was just like buried in my books. Um, and at some point it was, actually a very conscious effort. Right. Um, I was like, okay, how do I actually, um, learn to uh, communicate better with people? Um, as weird as that sounds. And so it's like, okay, I wanted to learn how to do public speaking. I wanted to learn how to, um, understand body language and perceive how people are feeling so that I could actually, um, then have more empathy towards them and be able to, um, be able to build rapport faster. Right. Um, and these are things that I actually bought books on and studied, right? Like I bought a book, uh, written by like some FBI negotiator on body language. And, you know, I took like public speaking classes and, um, I, you know, took uh, psychology classes and talked to people that were really good people, uh, people, sorry, that sounds weird, good at relating to other people, um, and try to understand like, you know, like how, how do you be like a better, um, manager? How do you become a better leader? Like, how do you become, um, even just like a better, like, um, son or like family member or whatever. Right. Um, these are all things that you can work on. Um, and so I, I made it a conscious part, um, to see like how I could improve. Right. Um, and you know, there's still a lot of room for growth, right? Like <laughs> I don't have perfect relationships, um, by any means. Um, there's times where like I lose my temper or I get frustrated people and like, um, it's 
you know, I regret it afterwards. Um, there's times where I'd make bad leadership decisions. Um, there's times where, um, I think I'm making like, um, progress in building rapport, but I'm actually like completely, um, wrong based on like, you know, cultural cues and things like that, especially when dealing with people internationally. Right. Um, and, and so it's a growth process, but, um, do I think that like I'm an imposter? Not really, but do I feel like there are times where I'm uncomfortable or, um, like not sure of how to deal with situations or people give me more credit than I'm due? Absolutely. Like every day. Right. Um, and, um, I think it's good and bad, right. It, it's good in the sense that, um, it helps keep you a bit humble. It, helps you look at your areas of weakness and make sure that, um, you don't get too arrogant and you're constantly trying to improve. Um, so I think that, that, that's good. Um, um, it can be bad and sometimes it hurts your like self-confidence. Right. Um, and so you want to be able to um, balance that and, and not, um, obsessed about it too much. Um, again, like a lot of decisions, a lot of things in entrepreneurship, you don't actually really know until you do it. And like I said, sometimes you just have to take your best guess and you have to wing it and you have to wing it with confidence um, and just go after it. Right. And you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but it's better to make fast mistakes and then um, come out of them as opposed to like be afraid to swing the bat. I love that. I love that you took the initiative to actually teach yourself how to you know, have a better emotional intelligence and to learn body language and to do public speaking, because honestly, a big part of becoming a really good leader is human connection, right? You're talking to so many people yeah. on a daily basis and you have to connect with people who are interested in your business or interested in your product. And human connection is like the biggest thing. And I love that you just kind of like went for it and said to yourself, you know, I have to learn these few things because there's so many people who, you know, they're, I would say like book smart, but they don't have yeah. that, you know, emotional intelligence. And that's a big part that's missing. Um, so yeah, I just, I thought that was so super inspirational. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I thought that was inspirational too. And it's really relatable. You know, I, in, in college, I, I don't know if I should say this in the podcast, but I'm usually labeled as someone very socially awkward. <laughs> and it's, it's the same thing. It's breaking on your show, right? Be able to talk to people, connect because, as Maggie said before, a big part of entrepreneurship is ironically EQ, uh, like having strong EQ, right? Emotional intelligence. I, I would almost say that's more important than IQ in business to be able to connect, to understand and sell your product. And you got a long way. Like I, if you honestly told me that you have trouble connecting with people and speaking and sharing your, your thoughts, I'll be like, Matt, you're full of shit, <laughs> but, but you're, you're so good at, you know, explaining things really well and, you know, connecting with people on a really deep basis. And I'm really happy that we had you in the, on the podcast finally, and being able to share your story, you know, and educating our community a lot more about the, the blockchain community. There's a lot of misinformation right now. And there's a lot of, of, um, just, you know, just early doctor mindset that's not quite there yet. Yeah. And I guess like the final question I want to ask you in the podcast is I know that you always had an early adopter mindset, right? So how do you, what kind of, what kind of advice do you have for all of us to sort of have that adventurous side and having that early adopter mindset and trying on new things and keeping an open mind? Cause let's be honest, man, with the Asian community, it's so hard for us to be open-minded. We're so set in our own ways. Just talking yeah. to our parents is one example of that, right? You're like, dad, this yeah. is a different way you do it. He's like, no, I've been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. So how do, how do you, what kind of advice do you have for the Asian community? Not just the Asian community, but all of us 
to really have that early adopter mindset to try new things? Yeah. Um, so I, I think, um, there's a couple parts of it. Um, one thing is just like, um, learn to say yes more often. Right. Um, there's always a reason to say no. Um, so, uh, like, um, it's, it's way easier to say, okay, like the picture is not perfect, right? Something's out of place. So I'm going to say no to this opportunity, right? Whether it's like investing a little bit of money in a, a seed startup or, um, um, should I, you know, network with this person or do I want to learn about this new area, but it seems like immature, like, Oh, it's never going to work. Right. Um, and so like 99% of the people are, um, conditions would be like, okay, it won't work for this reason, this reason, and that reason. And you talk yourself out of everything, right? Um, that's how you, by the way, you talk yourself out of, um, making probably the best angel investments. That's how you talk yourself out of starting a business. That's potentially how you talk yourself out of, you know, um, committing to a life partner that could change your world. Right. That's probably how you talk yourself out of, um, traveling all over the world, uh, you know, more remote or dangerous or, um, whatever areas. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of times you have to, um, teach yourself to say yes. Right. And remember that when you're saying yes, it's not necessarily a huge, huge, um, commitment, right? It's not like you're signing your life away, right? Um, you can say yes, um, an experiment and get some data to see if that yes was a good decision or a bad decision. Um, but by saying yes, you actually made a decision to try something new, to learn something new, um, and hopefully it gives you more data, right? Um, and I've said yes many times to certain areas of like, um, like new hobbies or trying new things. And then I quickly learned that you know, maybe it's not for me. Right. Um, but at least I have a little bit more, um, primary input as opposed to just like, okay, what reason did I say to not do this? Right. Um, and also, uh, I don't know if this is true for everyone else, but for me, um, just a story around like angel investing, right. Um, some of my most successful, um, investments have been my smallest checks because I was like, I don't think this is going to work. Um, I don't really want to say yes, but this guy's a friend. So uh, I'll cut him a small check. Right. And it's like, wow, that turned into something big. Right. Or I don't really believe in this tech, but okay. My friend's doing it. Like, and I was just fortunate enough to get pulled into a couple of these deals. And like, they turned into like huge outcomes. And so that made me realize that like, um, either one, I'm not like very good at uh, making investments, um, at least like looking forward or two, that I should probably say yes to more opportunities, right? It's oftentimes opportunities that um, are a bit scary, that aren't fully figured out, uh, that have the most opportunity because not everyone's going towards that, right? Um, and yes, like a lot of you know investments, right? Whether they're angel investing like I'm talking about now or uh, investments of your time, right? Trying to learn new skills uh, or talking to people that, um, maybe you originally didn't think were worth your time, um, or, you know, learning something that seems a little bit off the beaten path. Um, a lot of those will be failures, but the ones that turn out to be successes can be outside successes, right? It's like when you said yes, um, when you were super, super shy, um, and didn't want to like, you know, approach that, um, executive at that networking event. And you're like, okay, let me just do it. 
and you had a great conversation, um, even though, you know, he or she was like way more senior and you just felt like uncomfortable and that leads to your internship. Right. Um, it's when I was like, I'm going to try, even though I'm not qualified for this job at YouTube. Right. Um, maybe it's like you're, um, you know, you have a huge crush on someone, right. And you're afraid and you're like, Oh, it's not going to work. Not into me. Like, you know, here are all the reasons how I'm going to be embarrassed or rejected, but you're like, okay, let me just try Right. Maybe you do get rejected. Maybe you get embarrassed, but maybe you end up like, you know, finding your, your, your future life partner because you got over your, um, anxiety. Right. Um, and so, um, I, I think in general, it's better to just like try a lot of things and go forward. Um, and being an early adopter and it's not just technology, right? Just like, just go for it. Right. What's the worst thing that can happen? Like your ego is a little hurt. Um, you might've learned something, God forbid. Right. Um, yeah, maybe you got a little bit embarrassed because your friends are like, Oh, like that business failed or like you didn't get the job or who cares. Right. Like five years or 10 years from now, because you've been, you know, conditioning yourself to take these chances when you're doing really well, like, wow, like that, that person is like, you know, an entrepreneur or a go-getter, or they take the initiative. Like there were so many people that, um, kind of like downplayed my efforts previously. Cause like, Oh, like, you know, why is he wasting his time? Right. His business isn't going well. Like my parents were worried about me. My friends are worried about me. And now they're like, okay, like, like we're glad that, you know, um, our son or our friend or whatever took these risks. Right. And so, um, I think what I'm trying to say again, in a very long way is, um, if you take these small chances, the downside is like probably way less than you think it is. Um, and then compounded over time, a lot of these like, you know, small risk taking events, um, many of you again, which you will fail at, um, will result in outside successes because a few of the times you said, yes, um, we're going to, are, are going to really, really be pivotal and impactful in your life, but you would have never gotten there if, um, throughout your entire life, you were saying no instead of yes. That is, that is really, really powerful. And again, I really like these long, long answers because they're so detailed, you know, and it's, it's very relatable to you because it sort of just takes you on a trance in some ways as you're listening. Oh yeah. That's like totally relatable to my own life. And Matt, Thank you so much for being the podcast today. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you and reach out to you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I love from hearing, um, from people, um, especially people that, um, you know, have aspirations to do something, um, impactful with their life, whether, you know, socially or professionally or anything interesting. Right. Um, and, and, uh, I have to obviously be very consistent with what I just said about like, um, you know, saying, yeah. So like, you know, people that want to reach out to me, like, don't be intimidated. Um, if I don't respond right away, reach out again. Right. Like that, that's how kind of like the world works and that's how like, um, things spin around. Um, but, uh, for most, um, social handles, um, uh, Matthew Lou. So that's what I am on, um, uh, uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, a couple other um, platforms like WeChat and Telegram. It's uh, Matthew C. Liu. Um, and, um, you know, you can also uh, shoot me an email at matt at originprotocol.com. Uh, Don't forget to check out originprotocols.com as well. 
Yeah. Matthew, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate every everything that you shared, all your insights. And this is a great show. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you for having me. Learning yeah. about your story. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. It's uh, my pleasure. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.